So good afternoon, everyone. My name is Vicki. I am recovering chaos creator, uh, codependent, controller fixer. Um, so uh, I'm going to, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a little bit all over the place, but uh, I feel like it'll come together. It'll make a little bit of sense. Um, or you can just take something away that, that speaks to you. If, if it doesn't make sense in its entirety, you know, you'll just take a piece um, that will resonate with you. And that's actually how I enter pretty much any environment that I go into. Uh, I, I decided early on in my recovery journey that I wanted to learn and I wanted to grow and that I could learn and grow from anywhere, anyone, anything, any opportunity. And so when I walk into an environment, um, you know, everything might not be for me, but something is going to be for me. And so, um, and that's been just proven to be true. You know, I can come out of any environment and really, um, there's something that stands out as, as wisdom for me and is helpful for me. And so um, another goal actually that, that, that John and I um, early on kind of adopted um, when we went into learning environments is not to allow ourselves to become overwhelmed by everything. You know, sometimes you can come into an environment and there's just so much coming at you. Um, and it's really important not to like feel defeated out of that, you know, but is there just one thing that I can take away that I can implement? So I want to start off, uh, you know, because, you know, myself and Joanne, you know, we're doing the work uh, a certain way from a certain perspective. And then other people are doing, uh, you know, they're, they're exploring another issue or another experience. And so, you know, when John shares, he talks about alcoholism and addiction, and I can relate to what he's saying. I can actually pull that into, into my circumstances. I can pull from what he talks about into my circumstances, but I think it can be helpful to understand the problem. And so, um, I just want to share with you a little bit of what my problem is. Um, and, uh, and so what controlling, fixing, chaos, creating codependency, you know, when that's the description, when that's what we're talking about, what that means for me, um, is that, you know, for so much of my life, I thought the problem was the people around me, uh, in particular, one specific person who caused a lot of problems in my life for a really long time. And if that person would just get sober and do the right thing and be the husband and the father and the man that he, you know, he said he wanted to be, then my life would be just fine and everything would be solved. And the reality is actually that there was something deep inside of me that was not okay. There was this unrest. There was this um, underlying, deep underlying anxiety and um feeling of irritation and discontent and inability uh, to have peace inside, regardless of what was going on around me. And a couple of years ago, I came to an understanding that um, I am addicted to adrenaline and that I'm addicted to chaos creating and that, the, that I needed like something to kind of focus on that would produce this effect that I was looking for. Um, and so often, you know, so it was important for me to start looking at like, okay, so what are some of those things that I'm doing that are actually producing this effect? You know, like an alcoholic can say, well, 
yep, I take that first drink. And, you know, what happens after the first drink? Well, there's everything's off the table, right? After the first drink comes the second drink. You know, maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but after the first drink, something kicks in. I have this allergy and now like I'm off and running. Uh, you know, a, a porn addict, I've heard um, a lovely friend of mine share about her porn addiction and how like just so early on she was exposed to pornography and it got root of root. It took hold in her. And, you know, the, the way that she lived her life as a very young person, you know, abandoning everything to look at pornography, to be, you know, these were not, this was not a choice that she, that she made. It's this something inside of her. There was just something that she just could not stop and it was never enough. Um, and, and, you know, it's like, she just never knew and could not get a hold of it, could not, um, and so that can be true for, for food, that can be true of all sorts of things that we um, initially just start using to kind of self-soothe, feel safe, feel seen, you know, soothe that ease and comfort. And then the next thing we know, we no longer have control over this. This is, this is something that now has control over us. Um, with a codependent, it gets a little tricky because the world around us is the problem. You know, you're the problem. If only you would just, uh, and so that just gets so tricky. And so it's important for me to look at some of the characteristics of the things that I'm doing, um, that are wrapped up in that, in that, um, which for ease, I just call it a disease. Um, and so for me, you know, being chronically late or regularly, regularly late is part of that overspending, produces that adrenaline and that anxiety, neglecting responsibilities or relationships, ignoring physical problems, hoping that they'll go away or fix themselves, um, fixing other people, doing for other people what they, um, you know, could do for themselves, manipulating other people to get what I want, um, wallowing in self-pity, being a martyr, taking things personally, um, being critical of others, feeling that I'm the right person to, like, teach someone a lesson or to, like, educate them, um, hypervigilance and, um, talking too much, but not speaking my truth, being in my head all the time. I get into this like vortex, lying by omission, you know, leaving things out, uh, avoiding confrontation. Um, so chemically or hormonally, you know, I'm not going to go into this today, but there's just some of us that get this surge of adrenaline pumping through our bodies when I when we engage in these behaviors and we get addicted to that feeling. And for me, I can see how that started happening when I was very young. That, you know, I can identify times now where I'm like, oh wow, that obsession, that adrenaline, that that, you know, I can see those moments. I'll give you an example. Uh, we were at a um junior high seminar thing. What did they do used to do in high school? You know, they would sit everybody down in the gym and talk to you about something and whatever, what they were talking about from the front was, um, um, part of it was eating disorders. And, and this girl wanted, a, you know, I, I initially thought of this as attention seeking, you know, initially I thought, Oh, as a young person, I was very attention seeking. But now what I start to see is like, oh, the adrenaline that would course through my body. So now I saw this opportunity of like this, you know, this 
this thing came up in me and now I'm forming a lie, but then I also formed a behavior around the lie. And now um, there was like, so to the point where I actually began engaging in an activity and it was, it was so visible to like teachers around me. They started like talking to me and, and, and engaging with me. And what I realized is, is, you know, initially I thought, oh, I had an eating disorder, you know, what happens often with young women. But what I didn't realize is, oh, I actually started that with a lie. Like I actually, the day of that seminar, I decided for, for what, for what reason, you know, there was no, there's no explanation for that, except that this adrenaline started coursing through my body and I have zero control over it. And then I just don't know where I'm going to go next. I don't know. And I have told so many lies in my young life that made zero sense to me and caught like now, when I look back, they cause so much shame and embarrassment. And, um, there's just, you know, until I started doing this until I really started looking at what was going on with me, I didn't understand. So now I've spent 10 minutes talking about something that was entirely not in my notes. Um, it was one line in my notes and I have 10 minutes left. So <laughs> I, you know, it was a line of like, let's talk about the three-part disease, mental, physical, and spiritual. And so for me, that's what the physical and mental part look like. The physical and mental part make zero sense. You know, it just makes no sense what's happening and I can't control it. I don't know when the next time will happen where my mind just goes and against my will, I'm doing these crazy things that I never wanted to engage in again. And I have zero control over it. Um, the spiritual part of it is, is for me, this it's the solution, you know, it, but it's the sickness. It's the sickness that I literally drift away from so quickly. And the closest example that I can think of is um, currently my office. I tried to stage it so that like, you don't see the clutter, but like John came in this morning and said, your office is so junky looking. I can clean my office and it will look fantastic. And I'll do that. Give it one week and it looks junky again. Why? Because I haven't paid attention because I don't, I'm not intentional to put things away or I'm not staying on top of the paperwork or whatever it is. And that is my relationship with God. I, I have every intention of having a, this relationship with God where he's my answer. He's my solution. I'm not striving. I'm not trying to do this of my own will but it's, you know, him. But then the next thing, you know, it's like, what just happened? You know, we, we took um, possession of a new space on February 1st. And I literally did not work out like all of February, these things that I was doing, because I know I need to do them to maintain health and wellness and emotional and physical and spiritual well-being. They just fall right off the table. You know, I, I get the, I, we get the keys and then I get the flu. And now it's been three weeks where everything that's good for me goes on the back burner. How does that happen? Why does that happen? And I, I think, uh, I remember when I was doing the, when I was going through, um, the, one of the ways of doing this work, life lab is one way 
Um, but I had someone different take me through uh, a process called Big Book Awakening, which is an AA-based 12-step process. And I had this woman take me through, and, and she's a chaos creator. And she told this story of um, of how <laughs> there's a there's a chicken and a pig, and they're walking by, and they see this like sign, and the sign says like "Come feed the poor." And the chicken and the pig looks at the pig and is like, "Hey, like we could go help feed the poor." And the pig is like, "Oh, what are you thinking?" And he's like, "Well, you know, we have like ham and eggs. Let's give them ham and eggs." And the pig is like, "Uh, that's easy for you to say." But that's like a big thing for me. Like, you know, you're making a little decision to feed these people eggs, but like I'm making a big decision. And that's the reality of my life. God is asking me to make a big decision. You know, do I want to feed? Do I want, like, am I willing to give eggs or am I willing to give my life? Because he's promised me a new life. Am I willing to do whatever it takes? to get out of the insanity that has been my life over and over and over and over. Like I have proven for 40 some years that I do not of my own volition, make good decisions that left to my own devices. My office looks junky in less than a week. My internal condition is junky in less than a week. If I'm, if I do not take action on a daily basis, it takes no time at all for me to get back to the place where I started for me to completely even forget why I started and think, oh, yeah, I got this. Um, and <laughs> she always told, she always told this other little story too, of three frogs sitting on a log and they decide to jump in the water. How many frogs are left on the log? Three. They didn't actually do anything. They just made a decision to jump in the water. They're all still sitting on a log. <laughs> so, which really, you know, I was like, yeah, I make a decision all the time that I'm going to do better, that I'm going to work harder, that I'm going to, you know, I'm going to all these things. I'm going to, I make these elaborate plans and, and schemes, but of my own power, I don't have the ability to follow through. So, for me, I, the ability that I have is to make that decision every day that I'm willing to give up my life for a new life. The life that I had is not the life that I want. And so every day I need to make that decision. I, you know, sometimes I can make, I remember to make the decision the night before I go to sleep. And sometimes I make the decision when I wake up in the morning and when I grumbling open my eyes or yell at my Google alarm to stop. Um, but sometimes I have to make the decision at 10 a.m. when I realize, oh, wow, things are going sideways. And then sometimes I make the decision three weeks later. Oh, right, God, I actually want you to be first. I actually want you to be first. And I want you to be everything. You know, I don't, I don't want to just give up eggs. I want to be willing to give up my life for a new life. And the miracles happen, you know, through like taking action and actually jumping into the water and doing the work. And, and you know, that's where the miracles start to happen. And I've, I've seen that, you know, I have seen the miracles. So how do I turn over my will in my life? Um, and, it, you know, it really comes down to doing things that are against my will 
and against my life. Sounds really fun. Um, it's really challenging. It's, it is, it is really challenging, but the reality is that for so long, I lived a certain way and I'm being asked to live a different way. I'm being asked to live with God first, as opposed to me first. And, um, you know, for me sitting in silence, which was going to be, you know, stillness and, and, um, silence was really what I thought I was going to talk about. Apparently it's just going to be a byline <laughs> in my talk. Um, but it really was the catalyst. It was an action that I needed to take. I really was being asked to take that action of being willing to sit in silence. It was so hard for me. It's still so hard for me, um, but it was definitely against my will. It was definitely against how I typically lived my life. And it was something that I definitely needed to do in order to turn um, the static in my head um, has ruled my entire life. That there's just so much static. There's so much noise. There's so much helplessness, hopelessness. Um, the critics, you know, they're so loud in my head. And the the only solution is to learn how to practice silence and stillness for me. Um, and so, you know, the reality is that I have come to a place, you know, I come to, I come to this room, I come to a program like Life Lab, I go to, you know, I come to a, a any uh, place of going to any 12-step help group, uh, that is a place that I'm going to because I don't want to be the one to fix my own problems anymore. I suck at fixing my own problems. I make terrible decisions. And I can't come into these rooms looking to you to fix my problems. Um, you're all here for the same reason. So that would actually be counterintuitive. And um, what we have is a spiritual solution. We have access to God who is going to change our life, you know? Um, and it, it really does become more and more clear as I spend the time as I keep coming back, you know, one meeting a week that that's initially how I started, didn't do it, you know? And then it was like, oh, a meeting a week and listening to recordings. It was like just the active seeking, I think is really what God was like. Yeah. You just keep seeking. Um, I once heard someone say, um, Every baby comes into this world looking for someone who is looking for them. If you've ever seen a child born, um, which I have had the joy of witnessing the birth of a child, not actually giving, not the time I was giving birth, but someone else was giving birth and I just got to witness because that's a whole different experience. Um, that is actually what the child does. Like the baby, this tiny little infant it takes like a matter of seconds before this infant is looking, looking and crying and looking for, you know, for, for us, what makes us think that we're any different from that initial first moment? Um, 
that we have these core needs to be seen, to be soothed, to be safe, and to be secure. And the only one who can be all of that for us is God. He wants to fill all of that for us. And every other reason that we're in this room is a false answer for those, for those needs. Um, my choice every morning is to allow God to be that for me. And so as we come to the end of Life Lab in session 17, we have this, um, uh, you know, process where we, we, it's, it's called, we call it a take up your cross daily checklist. And, and then, um, so in Luke 9, verse 23, Jesus said to them, his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. So we encounter this place and, you know, this isn't just for like us in, in, you know, 12 step up us in addiction, you know, who's, who's, who've realized addiction. This is like for, for every person who is living a Christian life. Any person who says like, oh, I want to be a Christian. I want to, I want to follow Jesus. I want to, I want God in my life. And this is what God says to them. Oh, okay. Be a disciple, deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me every day. I'm like, okay, daily. That word daily is like right there. So for us, we, we come to realize um, and the big book gives us this really, really practical, they have pages 84 to 80, uh, 84 to 86 or 88. There's these big practical, practical pages that say, hey, when you wake up in the morning, here's some things you should be looking at. Take a look at this. Where have you been self-centered? Where have you been dishonest? Where have you been in fear? Where have you, you know, and at night, or sorry, that's the nighttime, the nightly review. Every night, look at this. And every morning, look at your day. Who's in charge of your schedule? Are you in charge of your schedule? Did you ask God what he would have for you today? Is there things that you need to, to clear out? You know, do you face indecision? Is there, you know, uh, insecurity somewhere that you need to look at? Every day. And so this is a vigorous process, it says. Vigorous. This isn't an afterthought, which I often, you know, shuffle this to like the back of my afterthought. Um, and so in the back of the Life Lab book, we have this like really good checklist for conscious contact. What does conscious contact mean? Well, here's some questions to ask myself. Did I start my day with conscious contact with God? Did I start my day with please? Did I start my day asking for wisdom and guidance? Did I try to be pleasant with everyone today? Did I go out of my way to be kind or do a good deed for someone? Did I demonstrate gratitude in my life? Did I reject resentment? Did I resist the plums, the poor little old me syndrome? Did I indulge in whatever the favorite character defect might be? Did I resist the temptation to gossip or criticize? Did I have a spiritual contact today with someone? Did I renew at any time during my day 
my conscious contact with God? Did I take a little pause? Did I take a little break? Did I have a quiet time? You know, sometimes I need a, a reset in the middle of the day. Did I close my day with, with thanks? Where did I serve, give, or pray for others today? Because this is a process of growth. And so that list kind of like reminds me like, oh, right. This is how I stay on the right path. This is how I stay out of my selfishness. This is how I stay out of fear. Because I, you know, when, if it relies on me to like keep me out of fear, I'm going to fail. I will fail every single time. If it like relies on me to keep my office clean, it's going to look junky in less than a week. That's my internal condition. And so I really, I love tangible, practical. And so that list at the back of, you know, as we get to the last lesson in Life Lab, which, you know, we just finished taking a group through Life Lab. So that's why it was so fresh for me. Um, and I was just reminded like, ah, oh, you know, that I didn't have that exact checklist, but when I, when I wanted, when I put my stake in the ground and stomped my feet and said, I am done living in insanity. I'm done. You know, I went to someone else and said, like, what do I need to do? I don't want to be crazy anymore. What do I need to do? And she said, okay, you're going to do this and this, and this, you know, she's like, call me once a day or message me once a day, uh, meditate once a day, and then um, read these pages every day. She gave me three things to do. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do those things. And so that's what I love about this little list is it's like this tangible, practical, these are the things that are going to keep me on track. These are the things that are going to keep God at the center and Vicky out of the way because she does not do a good job on her own, you know? Um, so that is my um, encouragement to you.